When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon and Danny Murphy spoke about the Match Officials Mic'd Up show. Will VAR transparency make fans more accepting of mistakes? Plus, we take a look at Damari Gray criticising Sean Dyche publicly as he looks to seal a move to Saudi Arabia. Is there another case of another player getting above their station? And with Gareth Southgate reportedly set to leave after Euro 2024, who next for England? This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, I was sitting there this morning and I'm sure um, I heard the strains of Mr. Murphy coming in and saying, what's the point of that show? <laughs> now, the show... That's quite no. Go on. The, the, that is true. The, the show he was talking Which about show? was the first PGMOL match oh. officials mic'd up show. Fronted by Howard Webb. It aired last night as key decisions were reviewed and assessed. So this is them trying to tell us, okay, certain decisions that have been in the public domain and are up for debate and we admit we maybe didn't get all right and they're coming out clean to be quite honest Danny and they're saying we do not have a 100% record in all of this nor did we ever say we would Correct. but they're coming clean about it all well, so Danny think- is, is a first positive step to restoring trust and confidence well, in refereeing standards I was talking to you out there and Luke and I did say I think there's they're trying to be transparent it's good intention Howard's trying to change things he's trying to um, deflect the noise, and, and rightly so, by being clear, by admitting mistakes, trying to talk through them. So that's all positive. I, I'm a bit wary of the big howlers being shown, Ed, and I understand why he's doing it, to, to, to shut out the noise of everyone saying, why, why don't we hear the process of how we got to this really bad decision? But I think it's a bit like, well, I gave you the analogy before, maybe it's not perfect, but if, if your partner cheats on you and then explains herself... She still cheated, hasn't she? The mistakes still happen. There's nothing in the ex- explanation that's going to make it better. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, and, you're in very dangerous territory. And, and, and the fact yeah. is that... A, con- we, a conscious all- decision, as opposed to an honest mistake, are two different things, aren't you? If you're going to use that analogy, someone makes a conscious decision to behave badly is not the same as someone making an, 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 you know, an unfortunate error. 
in terms it's of... It's not unfortunate. It's, well, it's, it's incompetent. It, no, hold on. It's bad. It's bad. Hold, hold on. Human error is part of every aspect it of is, life. But, but they the, are, the characteristic they are... that guys like you seem to want is this ridiculous analysis that someone somewhere whispered in your ear that 100% of the time referees were going to get it right. No, I don't believe that. So then pack it in. They're three big mistakes. We're talking about this one mistake. We're talking about the one they've released, the Wolves one. That, that's, yep. Yeah. Well, my point is that they're going to... They're re they've released it... And somehow that's going to give what a, a better perception for the public, make the Wolves fans feel better, make the manager feel better. What what does it achieve? What, what, does it achieve good? But the, the bottom line is, what, what does, does it achieve? What's the point? Whatever backpedalling somewhat. Whatever, whatever people no, haven't got, let's have it right. Whatever people haven't got is the reasons why something has happened. Right? We're making a case for the necessity to have transparency, which is broadcasting, hearing what's going to be said between Stockley Park and the referee. I just it's going to make, it's gonna make it all, it's going to make all diff no difference, right? That's because all that's going to happen is you're going to get a jeering crowd booing it and heckling it as it's being done, right? In the same way that when the referee is sent over to the um, uh, to the monitor, the crowd and the dugouts are interacting with the referee as much as they possibly can to influence his thinking. But do you know what it is? It's something we haven't got. So if we haven't got it, we must now have it because that will give us an opportunity to restore trust. How about people start from the principle of doing as they're bloody well told and respecting the authority on the pitch and valuing it rather than making it an us-and-them mentality? Us being the players and the managers and the fans and them being this awful, toxic breed of incompetent buffoons, the referees. Well, we've talked about that before. I agree on that. Well, what I'm talking about but is this, the point. But that's a whole point. But this no, is the, the whole point. point. That's the whole point. The po no, the point we're talking about is a mistake that they highlighted and showed the um, and released the audio. Yeah. And the audio is pointless. We don't it they're only show But what do you want them to do Danny? If they get they, right, we'll go to the Anana thing in a moment. The, the Manchester I said I understand why but they Danny, do it. If they got that wrong, they got that wrong. Simon's right. If they they got that wrong. Now what would you rather they did? Hide under a bushel. Webb's on TV last no, night they saying, this is, we got they, it wrong. They apologised to Gary O'Neill after the game. Right mm. thing to do. But we're in a society of apologies. Yeah. Sure, so ac right accept it, it. He did. But why don't you? Accept what? Accept the apology. I in did. I did. In amongst a I, whole myriad of ones they get right, they got that one wrong. I've, I've accepted it. I'm so fine. So what's your problem with it? I'm saying that there's no point in releasing the audio of how they got to the mistake. All you're listening to is incompetency. But if they didn't, I've just listened to it. I wouldn't. I've never said I want to hear it. But you. But but. No, I've never but said there, I want to. There is a okay. Not you then specifically, right? Let's move away from targeting you. Albeit you've been a naysayer since the get go, and we right? like targeting but you. But we're in a situation where there is a, a significant, vociferous group of people that suggest want to hear it. That want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Right. I think it's valueless, right? Yeah. But, but, there but you go, for you some agree. reason, for some reason or another, there is a sense of entitlement in this country that you have to understand every single nuance and peculiarity about how something works, rather than just simply accepting that sometimes that people do things because they make the best endeavours and sometimes they get it wrong yeah in this instance what howard is trying to do is okay, okay right for a variety of reasons Stop the noise no more noise right i'm going to be definite i'm going to be absolutely unequivocal i'm going to make sure my referees have the courage of their convictions i'm going to make sure they double down on it i'm going to yeah. stop this nonsense in the game that i don't want there's going to be no more andy robinson's no more bruno fernandez no more jürgen klopp no more nonsense on the touchline with, with officials let them get away with it Which hopefully he'll get his officials to stop shaking the hands of bleeding players when they've come off and told the referee to f off yeah. hopefully he'll get that into the psyche of referees <laughs> as well and then we'll get into a situation where there's a bit more balance and at the same time he understands the dynamics of the entertainment business and he knows that he's got to communicate something to the baying mob that are unrealistic and unfair in their observations and that's what he's doing but i i, I said that he's trying to he's trying to quieten down the noise of people saying let's hear everything then so you, should you be, came in this morning and said what's the point of that show I just, i'm sticking with that no not the show the the releasing of the that the but bad mistake every point in in releasing it 
Not Jeff, simply because not you want, me, because you I and everybody else want, and we want transparency. Jim, the point of a debate, I don't have to have the same opinion as you. No, that's true. So, so you have to educate opinion, yourself and then come round to our opinion. I don't need educating <laughs> on that mistake. It's a howler, I know it is, and whatever comes out of their mouth to get to that final decision is irrelevant to me. But because why? it's been made. Why? But people because like it's you, only going to show because, them up because, to be incompetent. Because sunlight silent. is the greatest disinfectant. If Pardon? you can see, sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. If you can see why people are making decisions, the first thing you'll do is actually understand I've, I've decision making. I've to it. It tells me exactly what I already knew. Which is incompetence. Well, yeah, and when you break it down, if we listen to it, I'll, I'll tell you exactly why they but got it only wrong. incompetence in your mind. It has nothing to do with the context of the fact they've made a decision because their their view is this. You are categorical in your mind that the only reason they made that decision is at utter incompetence. Most decisions, we could sit here and you, you think one thing, I think another. These ones we're talking about, and well, they are, there, no there, shorts, are yeah. only a, there are only a few. We're talking across the board howlers that everybody agrees on, yeah. right? So yeah. my, my point is only on those ones where you go, look, it's so bad we know it is. Explaining how bad how how you got to the ridiculous decision is a moot, is a moot concept. Yeah, it's not going to benefit yeah. anybody. But you think this is incompetent? Of course, it's incompetent. You immediately look at that and think they're incompetent. That was incompetence. Absolutely, that's your take. That, how do you? That's it. Yeah, well, if if it wasn't incompetence, why did but we get you, stood down the week after? But how do you? But that's the right process, because that isn't it? That appeases, yeah, absolutely. That appeases Surely that's process. the right yeah, process. Yeah, set them aside, give, show them the error of the ways, and hope they improve and get better. Absolutely. So you clearly you don't because you say they're incompetent. You feel right across the board that they don't have the necessary skills to do something successfully. No, that's not what I said. Because that's what incompetent means. Incompetence in a moment, incompetence or minority of the team that they have is incompetent. Hence the fact you only incompetent. get... Incompetent. Uh, incompetent. Incom showing the, the not having the necessary skills to Correct. do something successfully. Let's move, let's so move they away, don't. Let's move away Some from of them the, don't, let's, no. let's move away from Absolutely. the semantics. That's let's move exactly away from the semantics and move on to the area of how do we move the debate along? Because the debate still rages repeatedly and endlessly via leading pundits and football people endlessly about the level of performance from referees. We know, and you argue about statistics, we know that actually VAR being implemented has improved and reduced the level of uh, mistakes that are being made. Manchester United would have won that game on su on Sunday probably if Garnacho's goal had been allowed. Some mm. people would say it was onside, but most people think it was off. Right. So with that in mind, a legitimate decision. None of that gets played out. The only thing that gets played out, like most things in news, is the bad stuff. When? How do we change the narrative? How do we stop this endless pursuit of this ridiculous ideal that referees aren't going to make mistakes and I turn it into a culture where their contribution to the game? is in part respected, valued, and stop being vilified in the same way that other parts of the game aren't. Well, I think we are on the way. I think we By are on the way. By things like this. Yeah, no, no problem with some clarity so and communication. On I'm on about the big howlers being thrown but, out there, Danny, so we listen to... But, but, does it, but that's it, because it, you're educated in the subject matter. Well, the, the, but, the but anybody aren't. should be... Well, Danny, before this system existed, Ganacho's goal would have stood. Um, yeah. And that would have been wrong. Jim, I have not sat here this and season. And that's a howler. We talked many times last season, argued this point about me letting it, giving it a chance and trying to evolve. I know it's here. I'm trying. And I'm you not, never do. I do. I've done. I've said many positive things already this season on the, on the shows that I do, right? About some of the good decisions. So why do we hear the just pull incompetent? Up, I don't. Because in there. The, the howlers we're talking about howlers. are so bad. Howlers. Three howlers. Did they get Ganacho right at the weekend? But, yes. I, but, I, but to be fair to Danny, that wasn't a howl, that was a marginal decision. The argument about the Wolves goalkeeper clearing out their centre-back or centre-forward, mm, whatever mm. it was, is clearly more compelling. And the, and the referee is to blame on that one. And we'll look at it after this. Yeah.
the world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. They focused on key decisions. Mm. Now, basically what they're trying to do is if anything was got wrong by VAR or the referees or, or both sets of uh, uh, groups, then we look at it and we think, hands up, that was wrong. But the, it's fair to say, Danny, the vast majority since VAR was introduced, the vast majority of decisions have been right. Correct? We go on that premise, yeah? Yep. Okay. So let's look at the one, that, that, or one, one of a few, but this specific one they got wrong. And they focus on key decisions. Manchester United Wolves in the dying moments of the game. United's no new goalkeeper, Onana, comes for a cross, misses the ball and collides with two Wolves players. So should it have been a penalty? Should it not? The bottom line is this. This is what went on in the night in conversational terms between the referee, Simon Hooper, and the two other main voices, Michael Salisbury on VAR, and his assistant on VAR, Richard West. This is what they made of it. Possible foul there. Just need to view that. So Anana goes to challenge for the ball. Just delay, delay, delay. Checking possible penalty. Yeah, so I want to view this because I think Onana collapses, uh, collides into him. He's tried to bear into the ball, but he's late. And he blocks in. We all look at this for me, Westy, please, to see what I'm seeing. So the goalkeeper goes to challenge the ball, and he makes an aerial contact with the Wolves player. It's late and it's clumsy, in my opinion. Dawson wins the header. But it's late, very late in the aerial challenge. I think if the because the Wolves player doesn't head the ball, yeah, because Dawson heads it. Dawson, Dawson clearly Dawson wins the head. Yeah, and then therefore it's a normal collision as they both challenge the ball from the other two. Yeah. Yeah. Stay there because if he goes in, check it's complete. Like going check complete. Check complete. Check complete. Yeah, but they got it wrong. Mm. So Simon Hooper, the referee we had, we don't give these. In your in your mind, Danny, did he then influence the minds of the VAR boys? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the beginning of the clip, you clearly hear the referees say, it's a collision, we don't give these. Now, he shouldn't really be saying that in the heat of the moment because it's happening 100 miles an hour. But what he's done, he's planted a seed in Navarre's head, who then goes on basically talk himself out of it, probably because he doesn't want to go against, really. He's not, he's not got the courage of his conviction to go against the ref decision in the last minute at Old Trafford. And a bit what Mike Dean was saying on Simon's pod, and probably articulating the right, uh, the, right, the wrong way, there's a human nature that comes... It, it's human nature, which I completely get, to protect your own a little bit, because he didn't want to be saying, mm. and then he got his wording, actually, this is the VAR, it's clumsy, it's late. Again, he repeats it, it's clumsy, it's late, it's very late. Somewhere from the from that those words to the the end of it, he's bottled it. Yeah. But the plant... the. The seed had been planted by the ref for some reason in the game saying, that's a collision, we don't give those. See, the value of this show, insofar as it's valuable, is that if you've got somebody sitting... If you had Danny Murphy sat opposite Howard Webb, the first thing out of your mouth would be, didn't the on-field referee influence the VAR? Shouldn't the VAR have the, their own mind? Are you going to fix that particular cultural problem where people have the courage of the conviction? Correct, and that's what and I wanted that to hear last comes night. Value. Well, right. there's, a, there's absolutely... I wanted to hear that last so night. So there's no doubt Howard, being the bright guy he is, would have said to this referee the day after, two days after, whenever, 
look, you can't be saying we don't give those. It's you're planting a seed. He would have said that. It's so obvious to me when I heard it. I, I'm, I'm amazed yeah. I haven't heard it before. But you People just said it's human nature. Well, so I, think, I think there's a degree. So that's impossible nature. to fix, isn't it? Well, it's not impossible. What it isn't is incompetence. Well, you can you can word it how you want. It's human you, nature. You can phrase it how you want to, get, to get a rise. We all make a mistake. Top industrialists make mistakes. Doctors make mistakes. They're not, they're not, Lawyers make mistakes. We all These make guys mistakes. on that precise time in that match made a mistake. But it's not incompetence. Well, it depends. It's not having the courage of your conviction, not being able to do your job properly incompetence. You can, you can get the wording up. Is, is, does it mean you're permanently incompetent? Probably are, not. Are you can you improve? They weren't, they weren't brave enough in the VAR truck. That's what you're saying, or are you? They weren't brave enough. Yeah, he didn't have the courage of his conviction. It's yeah. a lack of bravery. But, but no, like Simon, it. take it from us. Go and look at that. Go and look at the screen. Correct. Because he, he, he believed it, didn't he? You could hear him. He believed it at first, and then he talked himself out of it. Probably with that seed that's been planted. Now, somebody who's competent, I think, if you want to keep using the word, somebody who's competent... Braver. Braver. Somebody who's... How do you make them braver? Well, you keep working with them and hope that they improve, yeah. and if they don't, then they go. So what I agree that this, someone is, in this whole process is in its infancy. You accept that? Yeah, and the, the other bit I accept is them sitting in their four walls going through that and trying to improve, which I'm sure how it is. And let, we are talking about only... Th since the season's begun, Jim, we're talking about three decisions... Where 99.9% .9 of the people are saying, it, we all agree it was wrong. So we're, we are talking about a tiny, you know, only yeah. a few. Yeah. So those three, and we're, we're sticking on the Wolves one, are rare examples of poor skill set. Let's put it that way. And if they are, if they are continual um, perpetrators of that, or what's the wrong word, uh, repeat offenders of those ridiculously bad decisions then by the end of the season, you're going to know. Well, this is the leadership criteria that you're asking Howard Webb to bridge the gap. There's been a vacuum of leadership, in my view, in terms of the way that referees... There is a desire to make the on-pitch referee have more authority. That has to be countermanded with the reality of what VAR is there for in the first place. You can't give the on-field referee more authority by compromising your view in the VAR truck because that's not the purpose of VAR. So he's got to get that balance right. Mm. So you've got to get the culture... Because there was always this theory... Danny Kenny used to say to me about this conspiracy theory about the VAR guys didn't really they don't really want VAR so they do it in a certain way to be able to find a way to get rid of VAR and I never really quite understood that but Danny had his had his reasons for it I, I think if you're looking now at what the, what Howard is doing he's building incremental blocks in changing the culture of referees so that they become more uh, courageous uh, more uh, focused on their decision making process owning them and uh, a, a whole different outlook of perhaps I, I, would, I don't want to say leadership because people don't want to see re leaders referees being leaders they want to see them almost being invisible and seamless to the game but there is a need for an ultimate authority on the pitch there mm. is a need to change and these things like dealing with the time wasting dealing with the dissent mm. and all ensuring good. those things that these are all good, all good. things value I and heard Alan Brazil scoff at the number of minutes being played now at the moment it's not as something bad as had it's, to it's change already improved. because the time wasters had to be pinpointed yeah, and caught out but Jim, he's wrong because it's already improved. Of course. Not, not every game is 100 of minutes. Of course. Because players are behaving better. The Arsenal-Man United one was quite exceptional that weekend. But, probably by, yeah. but by having these sort of situations, what you're doing is, for want of a better expression, you're giving the referees their head. You're giving them their confidence. You're building up their strength. You're showing them what leadership and authority looks like and, in, and changing the characteristics of them. So you're changing their outlook. That's what the culture of something is. The yeah. more you expose people... Yeah. If you walk into a room with enthusiastic people and the whole room is full of... And you walk out 
about negative, you have to have a special gift. Most of the time, you'll walk out enthusiastic. If you walk into a room of people that are strong, definite in their views, prepared to own them, stand them up and defend them, and go after the decision-making process with vigour, vim, and most of the time accuracy, you're going to have a culture where these referees are going to be a completely different animal than ones we've seen over the last three or four years. And that's the task that Howard Webb has. And where he puts just, himself front and centre of it, He Danny. does. And where, where, let me make myself clear on it. When, when I'm talking about not hearing explanations, I think there's a benefit in hearing explanations when it's... So, for example, you've got the Havertz penalty and then Rashford's one last week. And a lot of people saying, well, they were similar. Pre, they, yeah. they should both not be penalties. And some people say they are. You know, you're not going to get 100% on those ones because people have different opinion on whose leg it's who and blah, blah, blah. Nothing wrong with hearing that because actually there's no definitive right answer, even though you might think so and I might. But but the other ones, my point at the beginning of the show, and just to re- reiterate before people start jumping on, is that the, the, the three bad decisions are that bad and that obvious. We don't need to hear how they get there because all you're doing is shining a light on the ridiculousness of the decision. So would you prefer them to analyse the marginal decisions then? Yeah. So we so we get an understanding of what they're looking at. I mean, there's a degree of uh, of accuracy in what Steve in Wolverhampton saying. I'm a referee, guys. After listening to what goes on in the VAR truck, it's a case of maybe too many cooks. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Because you've got, we didn't actually mention, because you've got the VAR, assistant VAR, because what you also heard him say in that clip is, Westy, can you have a look at this for me? Which mm. is the, which Westy being the... Assistant VAR. Yeah. Right. So we, you're, you're hearing three voices on that clip. The ref. Yeah. The VAR and the mm. assistant VAR. And we're expecting the referee mm. in the middle of Old Trafford in the last minute to gain his composure while he's got these two voices going on in his head and help him out. That's, you know, we're... That's but what that's what he... Ha- but that's, we, what, that's what he should have. That's what he has to do. That's what he's got to do. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it didn't happen that way. Yeah. And they, didn't, but that they was, didn't help him. But that was one moment when it didn't happen that way. The vast majority of other moments... Pass without incident, they're the correct decisions, and on we go with the match. And that's but, why this whole damn thing's been introduced, Danny. But I, but I think and Webb's front and centre appearing on his own show yeah. last night, night, match officials mic'd up show, and is is not hiding. He's fronting up and he's saying, this is what we're trying to achieve. There'll be blocks on the road along the way. There'll be obstacles along the way. There's a lot of noise around it. But we're damn well trying to get there. And I think I think a lot of people, even in my where I work and the people I'm around, are more accepting of what they're trying to do now because of the way Howard's... But I want, I want Howard Webb on with the most vociferous dissenting voices. I don't want him on with Michael Owen. Lots of time for Michael Owen, lovely. I want him on with the people that have got lots to say for themselves mm. and put them in a position where they can say what they've got to say to Howard Webb and then find themselves in a situation where they start to get discredited. Yeah. They won't put themselves in that position because they won't like to hear the alternate side of the argument because one at this moment in time what they've got is a one-way transaction. They get to... to put out their particular view, they sit in a little echo chamber with Ian Wright and Alan Shearer all nodding and gurning at one another and no one debates it yeah. or debate how wrong it is. Whereas if you get someone like those guys, Lineker or... But you only have a certain it, amount it, of time to, you, the conversation. You only have a certain amount of time to talk about decisions when you're doing TV. You don't get the same as you do on radio. I'm saying but, get, but, the, get the very loud voices that are very critical of these things to have these conversations with people like Howard Webb. Don't make it... Shearer speaks to Howard Webb. They, is, they know each other Don't make well. it a soft landing for Howard Webb. No, I don't. Yeah. Howard Webb have to work Hold for it Hold him to account. Well, you'd still well, end up with the, you'd still end up the same place. All right, Possibly. well, let, let, let's... And the same place... Let, let, let me finish. The same place is this. <laughs> the same place is Howard's doing a good job with good intention trying to make things better and things are improving and will if they stick to this regime. We know that. Yeah. But ultimately... He can't referee every game and he can't make all the decisions. He's got some people in the team who it looks like aren't good enough. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Simon, you and I were talking the other day off the back of uh, Tin Hag's comments about Jaden Sancho. Maybe he's not doing what he should be doing in training. And Jaden Sancho promptly went on social media and said, <clears throat> basically, I'm not having that. He felt it was unfair criticism. It's a bit the other way this time, Danny, because after a move away from uh, Everton fell through on deadline day, um, it came out that um, Damari Gray uh, was none too happy with that. He says it's difficult to play for someone who doesn't show you respect as a person. Now, Sean Deitch has responded to that on the Everton website, saying it's an unfortunate one, this, because uh, I try to keep our business in-house. I think on this occasion, it's right to reply. Damari made it clear that he felt he was getting a move away from Everton, and he told us a move was done, which was interesting to hear that from a player. We reminded him of the truth of the fact that no moves are done without this club's say-so, which sounds pretty much bang on, I would suggest, Simon. Um, Is this another example, do you think, Danny, of a player getting above his station? Or is it a failure in management that things have got got sour and they're appearing in public? It's a little bit of both, but I'm... I'm, Times have changed, haven't they? I just don't... I used to be in the day that you'd have some gumption and a bit of resilience and knock on the door of a manager and have a, have a heart to heart or and have an ar- argument if need be. Instead of going out on social media. Yeah. I mean, where, where is it is it that difficult to go and knock on the door and have a man-to-man conversation where you can, you know, iron these things out or not and leave the room and disagree, agree to disagree, whatever it is. I mean, I'm, I find it bizarre that players put stuff out about their managers on social media or even the club. Because you're 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 never winning. Very, I don't know how you win. You are. Why do they do it? Is it is it a lack of respect? I think it's a lack of respect. I think it's a bit of fear, bad advice, bad people around you. Because you're the conclusion 
is only ever going to make you look bad. You might get what you want eventually, but you probably have got it anyway by going about it the right way. And I think there are occasions. I mean, the I didn't hear what you guys said about Sancho and Tanag, and I, and I, and I think in an ideal world, Tanag would have been able to deal with this without airing it all that stuff in I, public. I agree because what he's done, he's got a depreciating asset there for the club. And although he's the boss, and the player shouldn't be coming out and responding, I don't agree with that. By the way, he's the manager. You have respect, and if he gives you a kick, you have to take it. But but he's as a not, manager, was Ten Hag right to see what he said? I don't think so because he's not managing. He's not. He's not thinking about the bigger picture. Because if he wants him out the door, I don't. Got to, I don't he's I telling. Be happy with your manager seeing that. I, Simon he's telling the he's telling, Jimmy's telling the world he's got a bad attitude. I don't. I don't think. I mean, first of all, I, I wouldn't. My initial default setting is not to look at it from the economics of the transaction. Jaden Sancho's three, two or three years into a contract. He's on the balance sheet for twenty million quid. You'll always get twenty million quid back from him if you want to. I wouldn't be mm. looking at it from that point of view. I'd be looking at it from the point of view of how he exhibits control over his players, because historically you don't see top managers really calling out their players. No. They don't need to do it. They deal with it in house. Yeah, they they deal with it in a certain way, and the player knows his position in the food chain. In this this instance, Ten Hag may well be feeling exasperated. He may well have felt that he gave this kid a lot of latitude, sent him off to Holland for eight weeks, invested in him, yeah. and what he's got back is a square root of nothing. Mm. And I don't think it, I don't think anyone I don't think anyone comes out of this particularly winning. He doesn't look like a Manchester United manager that's controlling the, um, the, the, the his charges. And Jaden Sancho looks like what Jaden Sancho looks like, which is a spot little football that's got far too much. Dyche and Demari Gray. If someone had said to me, sure, "Is he Sean Dyche's sort of player?" I'd have said, "No, he's not." He actually did well for him, Simon, and that's probably where he gets a little bit gr- he's well, done well for everybody. Well, every I, club he's done for, I, and, and clearly Simon. he's a talented player but, but there's always day, an end product yeah. with Demari Gray that ends him going out the door but, uh, but on deadline day to be fair Sean Dyke said that Gray was still part of his plans yeah um, but it, it was Gray who said it's so difficult to play for someone who doesn't show you respect yeah but you know well, what depends, depends what you define as respect yeah it does and ultimately quite frankly not being picked in a side or not being given what you think you're entitled to is not tantamount to a lack of respect that's tantamount to the fact you haven't got the move that you want. So what you want to do is use respect and a broken relationship as an opportunity to leverage your particular point and to create the brand of division that you think you're entitled to create. If Sean Dyche is the manager, I I mean, Dyche is a strong character mm. and he won't be for everybody. And that's fine because not everybody is, right? But the bottom line is I think he's a pretty equitable, fair bloke. He'll give you enough rope and what you do with it, run with it or the other, is entirely up to you. And it would strike me that probably Damari Gray, for someone that you, when you really need somebody, he's not one of those for me that I'd go to in the trenches and go, I'll tell you what, I know what I'm going to get from him when I'm really amongst it. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a disconnect. The boy wanted to go to Saudi Arabia at this stage in his career because he's going to get paid and he's been stymied on that for whatever reason. Well, it looks like he'll go today. Oh, well, he'll go now. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. And then, then there was absolutely no need for this kind of outburst. There was no need for this kind of position. But he will say, I wanted to cement my view. And it should, should it be encouraged? Should it be something that we... This is the society we live in, a sense of entitlement. We're entitled to know what goes on involving refereeing decisions rather than accepting them. And we're in, players are now entitled because we've created this economic landscape where there are islands of their own, where you've got people like Martin Keown telling you that players should be at the table to negotiate what they will and won't do, i.e. what they won't do rather than accept the ridiculous riches that they've now got. And players have now got this independent mindset with very bad advice around them that's really motivated by their own game. A minority of players, thankfully. Uh, well... Yes, I accept that, but yeah. they're still, but they're still, but they get rewarded for it because we've just seen it. We've just seen the boy Nunes at Wolverhampton Wanderers. We've seen Marius do it, and these players mm. are not insignificant players, and they're not going to insignificant clubs. And you would think that someone like Pep Guardiola would have watched Marius's behaviour at Leicester City and said, 
well, I don't fancy too much of that in my dressing room the moment you don't like something. But it doesn't. It doesn't matter. No. And this is the problem, and mm. it's more and more prevalent. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. International break, international talk. And the FA are reportedly conscious of the uncertainty surrounding Gareth Southgate. They're, they're taking it so seriously, the possibility that Southgate will leave after next summer's Euros. Um, Simon, some people would be happy about that. Others would back Southgate, go into the Euros to come back from Germany with the trophy. And then it might be a different Absolutely. story altogether. Um, but it's reported, Danny, Danny Murphy, alongside Simon here, prior to Qatar, the FA technical director, man I've met, John McDermott, met colleagues to discuss potential successors. Now, that seems to be sense in itself because weeks weeks and months fly by and before you know where we are, we'll be at the Euros. And then if it goes pear-shaped for England, big questions like this will be asked. Absolutely. Do you have, can you trot out now who you would think your what your succession plan would be if Southgate exit stage left? Would you have the ideal obvious candidate? Not really. I mean, I think the, the talk on Eddie Howe at some point is realistic to think that somewhere down the line but why would he move from a club that's now going to be playing in Champions League improving all the time why why would he even think of leaving Newcastle I don't think he would but certainly somewhere down the line he's going to be somebody capable um, I think the Potter conversation's probably gone away a little bit for now I think he's probably going to have to go somewhere and start again a little bit is there a man not already there in yeah, well, right I was going to the FA? Yeah, I was going to come to that. Steve Holland, I know Steve well and I've known him for a long time and I've got huge admiration for him and there's not many people I've ever met in football who know as much as he does and loves it and is as passionate and studies football as much as him and a brilliant, brilliant coach, which is a different role. Um, my only concern over that would be that although it, it's fluid and it keeps everything within house, would he be that different with his ideas and his style of play than what Gareth is? I always find that a difficult kind of conundrum to try. No, and you're right. It I mean, need it, to be. Yeah. I mean, we are. We I think were, it does need to be. We a were tiny bit. margins away from, and I, and I attribute those margins to Southgate's inability to make decisions at key moments. So I don't think there was an innate criticism of the way that we played. I don't think we were great in the World Cup. I think against the USA, we weren't great at all. But we got to a point where we were overcoming obstacles and putting ourselves in the way of big conversations, mm. European Championship finals, World Cup semi-finals, and obviously an opportunity against the French. And the difference for me between winning and losing wasn't our style of play, was a moment in time where a decision needed to be made to change the events before they unfolded in front of us to determine our destiny. Right? And Southgate didn't do that. Now the question is, if you're making a decision about a succession programme, you look at what have you gotten right and what have you gotten wrong. So we look at this scenario of Gareth Southgate, and I think it's undeniable that he's created a far more harmonious Absolutely. England environment. And you want to maintain that. You yes. don't want another situation where Capello comes in and creates, because he's got a better credential, on paper, he creates mayhem in the culture of English football because he doesn't understand who he's relating to or equating to. So you'd want to maintain that position. Then you'd have to look about what is it that we missed. If Gareth wins the European Championship next year, which I personally don't think he will, I hope he does, but I don't think he will. I don't think right? will. And if he does, then this is a moot question mm. because he may well be in situ again. But if, if we don't, four tournaments I think is enough. I think it's time for a change. Now, if that, if that change is, say, Steve Holland, because Steve Holland has 
given the FA enough confidence that the key components of the value that Gareth Southgate has created, which is making us competitive, harmonious, interacting with the media in a way that keeps the media on side and doesn't create this us and they division, then those does he have that missing ingredient that's been evident to us? over four tournaments if he doesn't because he's part of the same regime and you often you know we always That's say we always say don't we you know you people accuse people of employing what looks like them or what they can relate to right an echo chamber sort of mentality so you'd have to look at that in isolation not just because he ticks a box with the FA yeah. and not because it makes their life uncomfortable makes their life comfortable should it be an Englishman in an ideal world would like an Englishman to be the manager of England. The only reason he shouldn't be an English should, 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 if it's not if it's not a case that we have a person capable of it then we have to look at what's best in class for us at international level but you see, to is take this that not, step. Is this Steve, not Steve the standard point with, with both be... of you here, though? Da- neither Danny nor you, Simon, could come in with boom. Oh, the obvious name. Hold on, hold the on. There's only name. one obvious name, and he's not English. The only, re- the only one yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. If, if, and there's nobody if, on the planet who would be if, able to say that's about. If I was sat there and I was in charge of the England setup, and I was living, breathing, eating, sleeping, and whatever else this particular conundrum. I would damn well know who I wanted because I would have done all my diligence as an observer watching from the outside, not privy to all the levers that need to be pulled by the FA to make sure that every facet and asset of what they want to achieve is working. It's easy to throw in names. You could mm. pick Wenger out of the equation and say, at international level, could Wenger still manage at this particular level, at this age in his career? If Roy Hodgson can still manage at 76 at domestic level, Steve Holland out the English guys is the, be- is the best option. So with that, in, as a coach, the, there is a vast difference between a coach and a manager. You know this beyond mm. all of us. Well, that's the risk. You've got Lee Carsley, who's just won wonders with the under-21s. Different job. I mean, yeah. again, I'm going to contradict myself because the 21s manager stepped up. So how did Southgate get it? Well, Southgate got it. And, and ironically, ironically, when I did a, a conversation with Sam Allardyce on the podcast, he told me that Southgate was offered the job before he was even offered it. Because my understanding of the situation, if yours is any different, yes, you're was right. That Sam got the bin for his own behaviour, yeah. And then Southgate was, you know, old like the bank of last call. He was, can you come in and fix the problem for us? Because we don't have anyone to turn to. But he wasn't. No. <laughs> he, he, See, this is the he thing, was the Simon. point of first call. While you were at Palace, no doubt. While your manager was working on a day-to-day basis, you knew in your mind. Who his replacement would be, as and when that time would come along. He didn't have any idea. He was spamming bloody rhinos most of the time. No, you were in the Succession succession programs are not easy because yeah, Dinashin's in trouble. Incidentally, we'll get to that in a bit. More often than not, More often than not, you don't. You you're not looking down at your number two. They are they are very different roles, and Danny will attest to this. You build a team. A manager is a manager. And an, an assistant manager is, is, a, is an it's assistant manager and a first team coach because they have different attributes, different skills. And when you Dean try, Austin, I meant, yeah. and when you try, Dean Austin, when you try, sorry, Dean Ashton, to, uh, to 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 put a number two, yeah, into a, a manager's position, it very very rarely works out the same club. A number two can go into another club and perhaps be a manager, but very international football is very different though. Because a lot, most of the stuff at England, when you're away with that, it is about the tactics and the coaching. And, and you said that they've already implemented a good discipline and well, a nice feel good. Well, they went to McLaren, the didn't they? Then. Well, put you both to the test right here and now. A name is all we want. So if Southgate is no longer in situ after Germany, who do you want in? Pep. <laughs> oh, in, in in some fantasy world of choosing England managers. <laughs> oh, Klopp. 
but despite you can't have a German in charge of English well, national they, team. There you are. What does that mean? They, but the bottom line is I've asked who I'd like to manage England team irrespective Why would you of, like that? Because it wouldn't make no. any difference to me whether he's a bleeding German. It would make a difference I, if we won, the, we won the World Cup or won the European Championships. I really wouldn't care. But I thought I heard you say I'd prefer an Englishman. I well, would prefer an, I'd Englishman. prefer an Englishman. If I, if I choose but, an Englishman but, but, at the moment... But this embarrassment of riches of English coaches that we've got? Yeah. They're sitting out there. I don't Anyhow. know if you know, but Pep doesn't hail from Rochdale <laughs> and, and Jürgen wasn't brought up on Merseyside. Neil Warnock. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.